Welcome to the SC Yoga Girl Podcast. I'm your host, Melanie Deal, a certified yoga teacher and integrative health and wellness coach. The goal of this podcast is to provide you with helpful tools and information that will help you better understand the connection between yoga, mindfulness, and movement in bite-sized episodes so that you can break through the barriers in your life. Let's get started because yoga, it's the real deal. Hey listeners, welcome to season three, episode two of the SC Yoga Girl podcast. I'm so happy that you're here with me today, and if you got an opportunity to listen to last week's episode where we kicked off season three, then you know that last week we started our discussion on the Yoga Sutras, and this that was the first of a five-part series, and in last week's episode, we really just went into it from a very high level. I gave an overview of what the sutras are and a little bit of the historical context. But in today's episode and in the next three, we're going to dive a little bit deeper. And today's episode, we're going to dive deep into the first of the four chapters of the Yoga Sutras. So get comfortable and we will get started. Now that you're comfortable, let's dig into the first chapter of the Yoga Sutras. You may remember if you were able to listen to last week's episode that the Yoga Sutras are broken up into four distinct chapters, and these chapters are referred to as padas. So I just want to say right up front, pada and chapter, I tend to use those two words interchangeably. So when you hear me referring to one or the other, just know that they mean the same thing. And the other thing I'd like to also throw out there is to maybe if the word sutra, which translates to thread, as I mentioned last week, it's it, it's referred to as a thread because it's a concise statement, a short, concise statement that is meant to have you think upon it once you've read it and really absorb what it means to you to help you move along your journey in your yoga practice. So... If the word sutra just doesn't resonate with you, maybe think about that word as meaning a verse. A lot of people I know who listen to this podcast are of the Christian faith. And so thinking of these sutras as similar to a verse in the Bible, that might help you resonate a little bit more about what sutra actually means. It's it's sort of 196 verses, if you will. And this first chapter, which is called the Samadhi Pada, contains the first 51 of those 196 sutras. These 51 sutras explain what yoga is. And again, the chapter is titled Samadhi Pada. Samadhi refers to a blissful state where the yogi is absorbed into the one, and that's one with a capital O. And it's in this chapter that Patanjali describes yoga and then the nature and the means to attaining samadhi. Again, that blissful state, maybe think of it as enlightenment, whatever makes the most sense with you. So knowing that, I want to just dive in a moment to the very first two sutras or verses. To me, the first sutra 1.1, so in Sanskrit, it is Atta Yoga Anushasanam. And in my words, I think 
to me, it means now the practice of yoga begins. Like basically, now that you've prepared yourself to begin this journey, this is your call to action to wake up right now so that you can be deeply in this present moment so that you can absorb all this information that I'm about to give you and begin your practice. So that is what Patanjali is trying to get across. Like right now, your practice of yoga begins because you've sat down and you're starting to read this text. So here's how you can practice the sutra. Again, I mentioned the kind of aim of this is you you take that first sutra and really absorb it, really think about what it means to you before you move on to the next sutra. So one nice way to practice this sutra of now the practice of yoga begins is to take your phone. I know many of us, if not all of us, have a smartphone. Take your phone, put it on airplane mode, and set a timer for 15 minutes. Roll out your mat, lie down, bend your knees, and spread your feet wide to the edges of the mat, and then let your knees drop in towards each other. Close your eyes and bring your hands onto your belly. Now think about that idea of atta, that word that means now, right now, and ask it to yourself as a question. What do I need right now? What does my body want right now? And take a few moments to listen in stillness and silence and see if an answer comes up. The worst thing that can happen is nothing. You lie there for 15 minutes or you straighten your legs and come into Shavasana. That's the risk. And for most of us, that's actually really wonderful considering how jam-packed our days tend to be. But every time I've done this particular exercise, something arises and I start moving and breathing more intuitively. And this is a much more receptive kind of practice than imposing our idea of practice on the body. Then we move into the second sutra, 1.2, and it's in this sutra that Patanjali addresses consciousness. So one of the translations that I like for this particular sutra is, Yoga is the mastery and integration of the activities of the mind. And chitta is the word that translates to that activities of the mind phrase, if that makes sense. And this is a sutra that addresses consciousness. But what is consciousness? And what does it have to do with your yoga practice? Once you understand how it works, you will be able to navigate through your life on a more even keel. So chitta has two essential elements, the first of which we'll call content. Many types of content will fill your consciousness on a daily basis. Your direct perception of an object or person, a thought, a memory, a feeling, even a dream. And these types of content parade through chitta with hardly a moment's rest. That, again, that state of your mind. You naturally identify closely with them, and they serve as a grist for your ego's mill, driving the ups and the downs of your daily emotional roller coaster. And that's where the second element of consciousness come in, comes in. It's pronounced drashti, and it literally means the seer. The seer shines light on the contents of chitta. So without that drashti, there would be no consciousness. Imagine yourself in a strange, totally dark room. You don't have a flashlight 
and you can't move and feel your way around. If you were in that situation, would you be able to describe the room's contents? Probably not. And similarly to that situation, the contents of chitta would be hidden from our view without drashchi, if that makes sense. While the chitta's contents are ephemeral and in constant flux because our thoughts are always changing, the seer is eternal and never changes. It is the perfectly impartial observer. All it does is shine light on the contents, accepting all with equanimity. And in Patanjali's view, the seer is your authentic self. Learning to recognize its existence, that is one of the goals of Patanjali's yoga. So here's an exercise that can help you in practicing, especially Sutra 1.2. We learn in Sutra 1.2 that yoga is the restriction of the fluctuations of consciousness, chitta. So try this meditation. You can do this seated, you can do this lying down, wherever you can really spend the time to focus on the, mo on the moment. And once you're in that comfortable position, close your eyes and notice whatever contents are passing through chitta, your consciousness. Normally you identify with such contents and you're unaware of the seer. So use this meditation to see, can you step back from the contents? Can you identify instead with the seer? Try this exercise the next time you're in a stressful situation. When you stop identifying with your thoughts and notice the seer, do you notice if that helps to diffuse the stress? I've done this exercise a few times myself, and I can say that when I really focus on stepping away from all those thoughts in my mind, I'm not trying to get rid of those thoughts. I'm just putting them aside so that I can observe them from that seer's perspective, that impartial perspective. And when I do that, I always come out of that exercise feeling a whole lot more clear, and I really love how it makes me feel after doing that. So that is our summary of the first chapter of yoga. Even though we dug into just this one chapter, I still feel like there are so many more things that I could tell you about this chapter. But I think this is a good start. And the one thing I'll say before we close this episode out is make sure you have a copy, a translation of the Yoga Sutras that resonates with you. I tend to use the translation that Sri Swami Satchitananda put out there for whatever reason, his translation of the sutras and his explanation of what each of them means just resonates with me. It, it all made really great sense to my mind and helped me get started on my journey more effectively. That may be a great translation for you and maybe it doesn't resonate with you. So I encourage you to Google it. Google the different translations out there. Usually you can get at least a sampling of each translator's spin on the sutras and choose one that makes the most sense to you because you don't want to waste your money on one translation and you start to get into it and you're just totally lost and then you put the book down and never come back to it. So take that time to really find that translation that means something to you. All right, I'm done with my preaching, and we will close out this episode. Next week, we'll dig into Chapter 2, and I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I would love your feedback, so please feel free to contact me. My contact information will be in the show notes, 
And with that, I'll end the episode with Namaste and have a sparkling day. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure you listen, rate, review, and subscribe to the SC Yoga Girl podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you next time.